everybody, it's Jansen Fugate, your coach, your friend, your mentor, and your business partner in all things business funding related. Today we've got a fantastic podcast interview that I was lucky enough to hold just a few short days ago with Josh Feinberg. So I want you to sit back, I want you to relax, but I want you to take notes as we talk to Josh Feinberg, founder and CEO of Everlasting Capital. Josh, welcome to the Business Loan Broker Academy podcast. If you don't mind, take a couple moments and uh, explain to us a little bit about who you are and uh, on a personal and professional level and uh, a little bit about kind of like your intro to the uh, business lending space. Awesome. So, I mean, personally, um, you know, I was uh, born and raised in New England. Um, you know, as, you know, things I like to do, you know, not just, you know, business related. You know, I love doing things outdoors. I love skiing, fishing, hunting, um, you know, a lot of a lot of outdoor things, right? You know, and another one of my... Uh, you know, um, things I love to do is traveling, right? I love to see the world and, you know, um, you know, I feel most alive when I'm able to travel the world and be able to, you know, see different things and see different cultures that, you know, we don't typically see here. So, um, you know, that, that's a little bit about me personally. Um, you know, I, you know, I have a great wife, have two children and, uh, so personally things are uh, good and it's a little bit about me. Um, as far as professionally, um, you know, I've, my professional career started out in the um, commercial financing arena as far as uh, financing commercial equipment, uh, direct capital uh, back in uh, 2009 and uh, started at direct capital, was there for about a year and a half, um, did everything from um, direct sales to franchise financing to vendor financing. And did a little bit about did a little bit of working capital. Um, you know that was really when the working capital kind of took off. Um, as far as the industry, it definitely wasn't even close to as big as it, as it is today. Um, and then after about a year and a half, decided to leave the company. Um, worked remotely from home for Balboa Capital, which is based out of Irvine, California. Um, did the same thing as I did direct doing franchise financing and vendor financing uh, for equipment left the company because I didn't know if this industry was for me. You know, at that point I was 19 years old and uh, really didn't have a direction that I wanted to go just because I, I was so young. Um, then I took a job with my brother and uh, my business partner now, Will Murphy, uh, at their pawn shop. And, uh, you know, I was there for probably six months and, you know, I was making 250 bucks a week and working six days a week. And it just, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. I wasn't able to pay bills. I wasn't able to take care of my daughter that I had um, at 16 years old. You know, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do and I couldn't because of the uh, financial cap of income um, that was potential there. So, um, you know, and then from there, you know, it started Everlasting Capital, um, you know, the story of, you know, starting in the basement and now six years later, we've uh, been in business and, you know, we've done over a hundred million dollars of volume and uh, yeah, it's it's been a ride. So you started in the industry when you were 19 and you said you originally worked for Direct Capital. You worked for Direct yep. Capital for about a year and a half. 
And then after you worked for uh, Direct Capital, then you started working remotely from home for Balboa. Tell us a little bit, if you can, a little bit about kind of like the training that goes on in these uh, kind of larger organizations. I mean, DCC, Direct Capital, they're, you know, huge. Balboa, huge. Um, also, there's been kind of some similarities with some of the other people that we've interviewed as well working for some of the larger brokers or working for some of the larger funders can you kind of give us like an inside uh, peek into kind of what that training structure kind of looks like so when i started on uh, direct capital and to tell you the truth um i wouldn't be the salesperson i am today and i wouldn't be the person i am today if i didn't go through their training um you know, because when we first got into there, they started you out as kind of like a lead generator. Um, but the cool thing about being able to generate the leads is they wanted to see if you could actually generate some income. And uh, it was kind of like a training, uh, kind of like a test to see if you're going to be good. And uh, it was like a three-month test. And the, what we would do during the training process is we would actually reach out to business owners directly, explain, you know, I am Josh Feinberg. Um, uh, direct capital and you know i wanted to touch base to see if you're purchasing any equipment or any or if you had any needs for any type of short-term business loans um and then if they said no then we would have the ability of bringing up um you know taking a look at doing a credit card consolidation and if they said yes to the equipment or capital at that point then we would say okay perfect explain a little bit about the program and uh we would try to charge an application fee so that was one of the revenue generators was charging application fees. The other revenue generator was charging a fee to get into the um, credit card consolidation. So they really took a look at one, can this person generate leads? Two, can this person actually close people on paying them? And that was their real whole go-to approach was let's really mold them into a great salesperson on trying to even pitch an application fee. Even yeah. if they didn't get the deals, they didn't really care. Yeah. Um, you know, sure. they just yeah. wanted to see if, people could actually sell because they didn't want to put anybody on the phone on the floor actually speaking directly with clients and closing deals until they actually knew what they were doing. Um, so, you know, the, that was the training process for them. And then once they got through the lead generation program, then you get put on to the next level where they would have one manager that handles all like the new people. Um, and it's called the junior finance manager program when the junior finance manager program the you know anybody that does ten thousand dollars a month or less in revenue would go on to that team anybody that does ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars in revenue goes on to a different team under a different manager and then from there if you get above twenty thousand dollars average per month then you get to go into the team that they call the eagles and those are like the top sales guys Okay, wow. So there's quite the graduation process. What's the what was the application fee at that time? Um, anything you could charge. Okay. Anything you could charge two ninety nine, charge two ninety nine. Um, <laughs> you know, you could charge all the way. I think the biggest one I did was like eight hundred bucks. Um, which Everlasting Capital, my current company, um, we we adopted that when we first started, and we were doing like three to five thousand dollars a week in application fees, but then things changed and you know competition got a lot uh there was a lot more competition and then we needed to really kind of focus on just funding deals so then we took that away right that's interesting i actually so i started in the industry in december in 2008 
And that's how we started as well. And that was a pretty decent revenue stream for us. And one that was kind of a catalyst in allowing us to like kind of, you know, gain some momentum was charging, mm. that, charging an application fee. We charged $249. And then as the industry started to change, we went to $99. Then we went to $49. And then we moved actually down to $7. And then we moved it to free. Um, and then we started to utilize uh, you know, different products, lending products and different services to kind of help monetize. I liked, I liked it because it created the, um, you know, yeah. it kind of created a commitment. Yeah. It was like a commitment, right? Cause if they do it, get approved, then they lose out on the money. And a lot of times they'll think mentally, well, I'm not going to lose out on $250, but they have a hundred thousand dollar approval. You know what I mean? It's even if it's a small amount of money, it, it got them committed, but it's not yeah. like that these days. Yeah, definitely not like it these days, but I loved it as a salesman. So when I was you know, 25, 24, 25 years old, like that was my favorite product. And one of the reasons why I still really resonate with that kind of opener um, and feel like I do really well with that kind of opener um, mentality um, was because of that kind of initial introduction to, you know, doing the application process. And right. uh, what's actually and that's interesting- what Equipment financing too, right? Because I tell you the truth, that's why I love equipment financing is because, you know, at the beginning of the process, even before they're approved, or if we do get them approved, you do a proposal and the proposal includes two upfront monthly payments, right? You charge the two upfront monthly payments plus the documentation fees, you get that proposal signed and back. Now, if they want to back out on the approval, they can't, or if they do, then it's deemed as revenue for the company. Right. Yep. So they're like essentially like pot committed as a poker term that I like to reference frequently. Absolutely. Yeah. Nice. Okay, great. Well, thanks for sharing that. I think that's some really good, that's some really good insight. So you graduated through that process relatively quickly. And then did you feel like you um, had the confidence to kind of go out and work from home and you saw out Balboa or was it the other way around? Did Balboa kind of seek you out? There was a lot of changes that happened through direct capital, even in the past few years, as you know. Um, but when I was there, there was a lot of changes within the company. And my father was uh, part of those changes. And I just didn't like it, which at that point, you know, I had the ability of being able to make the decision of leaving. Um, so at that point, I left. And then, you know, I obviously that's the only thing I've I knew. Right. I mean, the past two jobs before um, direct capital was Subway and then JC Penny. And I can tell you one thing, I did not want to be a sandwich artist nor sell suits. So I went back to the finance industry to Balboa Capital. So I just reached out to people in the finance industry. Okay, great. And then you worked for Balboa, did you say for like six months? Yep. For six months. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, I was, I just wasn't able to, <laughs> we needed to make a hundred calls a day. And I would make my hundred calls in two hours, still in my boxers. And then I would go to gym for like four hours and play basketball and stuff like that. So really, I didn't even give it an honest shot there. I didn't give myself an honest shot. And that's being honest. Yeah. And then you kind of made like a little bit of a transition, went out there. And then that's where you started working underneath Will. And then you were working actually for the pawn shop originally. Correct. Is that okay? So yep. then you were working for the pawn shop, and then did you approach Will and say, you know, two hundred fifty bucks isn't working, but here's a great idea. Um, I, I didn't propose it like that. What I re- what I really kind of did was thought to myself, one, how can I start a business, right? Um, 
And two, how can I continue to get that same paycheck that I'm making, but do something that I really want to do and it's really going to help build the company and start to increase my income, right? So that's when I approached Will and said, hey, I got this great business idea. This is what I want to do. This is how it's going to look. I need $3,000 to start this, plus I need my weekly check that I'm making now. So I kind of um, laid it out there like, I'm not losing anything. I want to create something where I can only gain. And that's how I kind of, uh, I place that. Yeah. And then Will naturally kind of gravitated towards it, or was he a little bit resistant and, and kind of like hesitant at first? No, he thought it was a great idea. You know, he thought it was a great idea. I approached him with it, told him about it. And then, um, you know, as most business ideas, you know, what happens with most business ideas when you talk about them? Well, when you start yeah. to talk about business ideas, I mean, you start to get excited, really. You start to gain, kind of get some momentum going. Right. But then 90% of the time, what happens? Uh, well, 90% of the business ideas that you talk about probably just did, uh, go by the wayside. Peter out. Yeah. They just don't do anything. And, 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 that, and that's what happened with Everlasting Capital. So I approached him. We mm. talked about it. It was a great idea. It, 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 it faded away for two months. And then we revisited it. And then at that point when we revisited it, because I was like, this needs to happen. Then at that point, that's when we made the decision of moving forward. What shelved it for kind of two months? Was it just like the chaos of life or? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean I've mean, i seen it even in the past like five years too. I mean, I've, I talk about business ideas every single day that don't get followed up on, right? And it's just, this one was just like, I can do this. And I need to do this. Maybe it was laziness. Maybe it was, I don't think I could do it. Maybe it was just head trash of, you know what, I'm not smart enough or I don't know enough about it or I don't even know where to start. That's probably a big part of it. And then I just said, you know what, I might as well try. And that's, that's how it kind of went about. So tell us a little bit about kind of how you funded your very first deal. So now you've been in the industry for not, not with everlasting capital, I should say. So tell us kind of how that, how that went down. Was that something that because of your skills and, you know, two plus years in the industry and your confidence, is that something that came relatively quickly or is that something that, you know, took a little bit of time, kind of walk us through your first, your first deal and how that looked like, what that looked like. So the first three months was rough. Um, first month, didn't fund a deal, was getting some leads. Uh, you know, I remember my first lead was someone that I knew, right? Which is cool, right? It's exciting. You you talk to someone you know, and, you know, it's a lead. But it wasn't really like, I didn't feel like it was just, I, I, I want to talk to somebody that doesn't know me. Because I, at that point, I wanted to know that I could actually do this. So your first month didn't fund a deal, second month didn't fund a deal. At the two and a half month mark, I was sending out my resume for other jobs. Um, I was like, this isn't working. This isn't going to work, but I was still grinding away, still making 400 calls a day to gather up as much as I possibly can. So, uh, you know, I told myself if I make it to the three month mark and I still don't fund anything and we don't bring in any revenue. I'm done. And then I got this customer, I got them approved. Um, and then when I got them approved, they, you know, I called the customer and he said, yeah, sure. I'll go forward. 
And I said, okay. So I got the contracts. I sent them over to him and he sent them back. And then they told me it was funded and I freaked out, ran upstairs. We funded our first deal. We funded our first deal. And that's when the fire really like kind of like just came on to me, you know, this is something that's going to work. And that's kind of how, um, the, you know, that's nice what boosted the momentum. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's like a nice proof of concept. You know, you get the, you get that win underneath your belt <laughs> and no matter how big or how small it is. And then, you know, you kind of are able to kind of, like I said, carry on with that momentum. That's fun. Yeah, that's no, a great, absolutely. Great so, I mean, it was, it was tough, right? So, um, you know, as far as like, it's just the challenges within those first three months is one, how am I going to be able to get deals Two, do I have enough sources to work with? Um, you know, trying to learn, you know, all the different ways to be able to fund business on my own and just kind of get in tune with the industry as a whole, right? Because when you're a sales rep at a large corporation like Direct Capital or Balboa Capital, right? Your industry is that company. Like you're, like, and what I mean by that is your surroundings is the whole company. So you, you may hear about the competition of other sales reps at that company, but you don't know anything that's going on on the outside because they kind of shelter you from it. But when you go into your own, then you really kind of, you know, get to see the whole picture of, you know, who's my competition? Um, how am I going to be able to beat the competition? What are they doing for marketing? Um, you know, I don't have any money to be able to do anything. I can't spend money on leads. How am I going to be able to access the customers? So there's a lot of different things when you get onto your own that, you know, it kind of, you see the big picture, um, which is a good thing, but it makes things a lot tougher if you don't really kind of, you know, tune yourself into the business and, you know, kind of just make it your life rather than, you know, just a job. Well, I think that's key. That's something that really kind of have people really focus on is make it your life and not make it your job. You know, uh, if you can really embrace this industry, you're going to do well. But I think it's, it's something like you like you said, it's you can't look at it like I'm an employee, you know, and I, I, I think that a lot of people that are in this industry, they look at this as like this as almost like fun. You know, like this is a, you work hard in this industry, but there's tremendous fun and that and 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 reward um that goes in that you know coincides with this industry so um there, and we there, see that there is a lot of fun yeah yeah there is a lot of fun you know you can uh you know you, you can have a lot of fun with it if you don't take yourself too seriously you know i've seen a lot of people come into the industry they've done very well um you know, but you want to, but a lot of people want to be, obviously everyone wants to be greater than they are, but don't get that. But a lot of people get down on themselves when they don't. Right. And the thing is, is that's just because people need to build patience and just consistency will get you there. And if you don't have the patience, then it becomes not fun anymore. You could be making a million dollars, but in your mind, you want to make 10 million and you could be absolutely depressed. So you need to stay in tune with what can I do today to make it so I can get hit my end goal for the long run. Don't be focusing on tomorrow. Don't be focusing on Friday. Don't be focusing on next week. If you have credit card bills or a mortgage coming up, 
and it's due by the end of the month. Why are you thinking about it on the fifth? What can you do today to to solve that? You know. Yeah. So what's your suggestion? So what's your suggestion? Is essentially just put your head down and go to work. Yeah. Is that kind of you know set a plan every single morning, right? Set a plan of um, what can I get done today for money making opportunities. Right. Especially in the beginning, because cash flow is key. Right. A lot of times when people, you know, first get into this industry, you know, they'll try to make a great website. They'll try mm. to make great ads. They'll try to, you know, um, figure out great contact lists. Get on the phone. Figure right. out, look at your day and say, what are money making opportunities that I can focus on today? Now, if you're doing a, your schedule and it looks like, well, working on website at 9 a.m. Um, and then I'm going to kind of scrape some data at 10. And then I'm going to, you know, from 11 to 12, you know, I'm going to try to find some people that I can hire or find some referral sources. Then I'm going to take a 12 lunch. And then one o'clock, I'm going to, um, you know, maybe create some PDFs that are going to look cool that people can click on. And then after I do that, so that'll end at like three o'clock and then I'll make the calls to the list at that I made at like 10 o'clock. The only money-making thing that you did that day was make calls at three o'clock. Right. So move away I mean? all that. All, yeah, I do. So get, clear your, I see that every single day with, you know, members, they get caught up in a lot of different things. Like you said, websites, email addresses. I mean, it helps. Know, of course. It helps, but... At the same time, if you don't have any customers to look at it, what's the point? Right, exactly. That's why I really preach to everybody that it's important for them when they come into the Business Loan Broker Academy to really focus on the application process. Because, you know, in my process of building my company and hiring and firing, you know, hundreds of people, um, trying to kind of like chase that Balboa, you know, kind of DCC, kind of, you know, big dream kind of corporation. Um, I found that the most success and the easiest success, I guess I should say, in the path of like least resistance to success in getting going in this industry is just to remove all the BS. You're scared. That's okay. Get on the phone, read the script, and master the process of being able to like take an application. Because yeah. I think, you know, if you, you probably would agree that in your training you were essentially a bird dog you got on the phones you were cold calling they may have gave you, given you you know a list of you know fortune 5000 or whatever type of companies to call that was your target and then you just you know hit the phones scared or not scared and then that activity kind of produced the result but it's probably be the success initially come from the from the company standpoint from their growth strategy that you explained earlier and from you comes from you just solely focusing on what you can control, which really is that like application process and kind of like, yeah. you know, lead gathering or a process. Would you agree? A hundred percent. Absolutely. And that's exactly what I mean when I say money-making opportunity, right? That's a money-making opportunity because if you get an application, that's a possibility of making money. Yeah. That's Great explanation. Thank you. I know lots of people are going to really appreciate that. Um, 
as far as like everlasting capital, let's kind of make a transition um, to EC. Tell us a little bit about everlasting capital and you know the funding products that you guys now focus on and you know where you guys you know where it's perfect timing it's uh, the end of the year 2018 so where you guys see yourself finishing up the year and where you guys maybe see yourself going in the next couple of years you know you guys have so much momentum right now and there's so much you know talk about everlasting capital and you know how amazing you guys are with your partners and your your borrowers, your merchants, you know, and your funders, everyone really appreciates working with you guys. So tell us kind of, you know, what coming up with uh, Everlasting Capital. Yeah. So, you know, this year and uh, all the past years as well, we've mainly focused on two products. One of them being equipment financing and leasing, the other one being working capital. That's our bread and butter. Um, You know, we really don't look to add any other types of products to that. Um, you know, we have a few different, you know, companies that we are starting up for 2019 that are going to be focusing on different types of products, but Everlasting Capital mainly focus on equipment financing and leasing and working capital. Um, you know, as you know, you know, we have the Everhub portal um, for all our brokers so they can really, you know, feel comfortable and know that their deals are, are in good hands. They can see where the deal is at in the process. Um, you know, so, the, you know, that's all stuff that we've done now what are we going to do for um 2019 we're really really focusing on um you know just deriving new business and uh, continuously adding new um, partners to our um, portfolio that's really what we're looking to do is build out our um, partner base because you know we don't do much marketing towards partners we kind of just naturally um as you can imagine we naturally just get partners to come to us um you know we have probably 20 partners signing up every single day um and you know but we've never really focused on really doing some marketing towards them um and then as far as everlasting capital we are generating a ton of content i'm sure you've seen um an increase in content um from everlasting capital over the past like couple weeks and uh, we're going to continue to do a lot of different um kind of marketing techniques to try to bring in um you know new customers and then as far as the big thing that we're focusing on is getting a um getting aware getting a line um you know we're focusing on getting a lot larger line than we currently have which would make it so we can fully keep everything in house I like that strategy. Is that your guys' ultimate strategy is to become a funder or what's Everlasting Capital's ultimate kind of play? A mix. So we'll, we'll never, I mean, I, I shouldn't say we want to bring everything in-house, um, but we do want to take on some of the paper, right? Because we, you know, it's great. Commissions are great. Um, but, you know, we got to have an exit plan at some point. And, uh, and yeah, if you've got the deals flow coming right to you and, you know, you have the ability to kind of create your own, own internal underwriting based off your past performance that you guys see, yeah. you know, that makes perfect sense for you to just kind of, you know, skim off the top got some... or, you know, take, take a couple of deals right off the top that make, you know, perfect sense for your guys' portfolio. Exactly. And then, uh, we're going to be doing some hiring, you know, we're going to be adding, uh, about four, uh, finance managers to our uh, direct side and uh which uh doesn't seem a lot but you know when uh, the type of people that we're hiring when we only hire four so we're not hiring four like 
just entry level type people who are hiring seasoned professionals when you had four of them um like the last four that we hired they've increased our um, direct revenue by 50 percent just by adding four of them and now we have kind of have like the type of person we're looking for and then Mm -hmm. we have a training program now so you know we're hoping that uh, another four will increase just that much more yeah that's solid that's really great. So tell us a little bit about like how many employees you guys have right now. Uh, so when you're adding on four, um, where's that? Where are you at now? And we we have eleven employees now, um, oh. and every single one of them have been with us for over a year and a half. Great retention. It speaks yeah. highly again of, of the company and culture you guys are building. That's so you guys have eleven. You guys have eleven employees, and tell us about the funding you guys are doing on a you know week to week or month to month basis. Um, month to month basis, as far as funding goes, um, we've had some huge months, uh, this year, but as far as a whole on what we're going to fund this year, it's going to be roughly about 35 million. Wow. That's great. I saw a post recently. I don't know if it was from you or if it was from uh, will, but I think you guys have paid out this year alone, like half a million dollars to your partners. You know, like the LBA yeah. members and you know yep. other referral partners and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, we paid out five hundred thousand, um, which is uh, the most we've paid out um, to date for any given year for our partners. Um, last year, I think was three hundred thousand. So as you know, as our revenue increases, so so, so does the uh, payouts as well, which is you know that's exciting to me. I love hearing how much we pay out because that also means that we helped. You know, we helped a lot of people out and that, you know, um, paying out 500,000 is great, you know? Yeah. It's really fun to kind of think from a business owner, um, you know, the domino effect that you're having with the exchange of kind of like currency. So not only are you giving funding, you know, one, you're helping out a broker, right, which is extremely helpful um, in their catalyst to moving forward in this industry, um, helping them close deals, getting approvals. So you're getting them commission that they would otherwise miss out on, you know, that's helping their family and creating a better quality of life for them. But then you get the funding for the entrepreneur and they're able to utilize that money, you know, as a catalyst for their business. And then it helps their employees and, you know, their paychecks are consistent. And then, and then they go out and, you know, utilize that money from their paychecks and deploy it and, you know, purchase products and stuff. So it's just really fun to always think about, I'm constantly reminding myself about how great this industry is and how just the synergy, you know, when we help these individuals, these brokers, these entrepreneurs, um, how it really just helps our overall economy. It's just really fun to take a step back and kind of think about that from time to time. Do you ever do that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, usually like at the end of the year, especially for, you know, our holiday party where I put all the numbers together and everything. And then it, you know, you just, you just sit back and you look at the whole, just like you said, the domino effect of, you know, everybody that has been helped this year because of our clients, because of our partners, because of our sales reps, right? Every single person sitting in a seat here, you know, I can just see how their life changes on a day-to-day basis. But if you look at it from a whole year perspective, and then you think about all the partners that have really grown with us, it's an amazing thing to kind of uh, reflect on. Yeah, that's fun. Well, you guys are doing great stuff. 
Um, tell us just to kind of wrap up, I'm really interested in just hearing about kind of your most favorite funded deal and tell us the reason why. Is there one deal in particular that kind of stands out over another or maybe a couple deals? Um, and maybe you could just kind of tell us a little story um, behind why that sticks out. So I have a favorite deal. I do. Um, you know, and it did a, it definitely, we helped them. It helped us at the end. It didn't end well, but I'll explain it. So, um, we had this one company that was kind of like a, uh, a waste, a waste removal company. And they were huge. I think they did like, probably, I think it was like 36 million a year in uh, revenue. And, you know, the first time that we lent to them, we gave them like 500,000. And at that point, it was the biggest deal we've ever funded. And, you know, it was really exciting. You know, they were looking to get money so they can build out a new kind of uh, storage facility for the waste. And uh, it would cut their costs by being able to do that so they didn't have to bring it to other facilities. And, you know, we continued to work with them for two years. And aggregate, we gave them $8.5 million within a two year period in advances, not like SBAs or anything like that. It was like 8.5 million. And we were wow. able to get them to do a lot of expansion, right? Um, obviously you can imagine with 8.5 million in volume within a two year period, that's a pretty good client um, to have. And that's obviously pretty exciting. But you know, what it did for them was to be able to, you know, finish the facility and be able to increase the revenue. Unfortunately on the last one, it didn't go so well. They defaulted went bankrupt. Um, not because of the program that we provided. There was a lot of other things, uh, you know, that ended up happening. Um, but, you know, that's my, you know, if I can think of the two years and, you know, it's tough to get, ex it, I get excited for every deal, right? But that deal every time was when it funded, there was hugs and high fives all around. So. Yeah, that's the, the funding if it's, you know, if it's used properly, can take these businesses to amazing heights. And I think that's kind of what you're explaining is that like over two years, you guys funded them $8.5 million, which one made you guys a significant amount of commissions. Um, but two, also allow the business to grow dramatically. And then, mm. you know, unfortunately, when, you know, I can attest to this, when you get too big, um, sometimes the business kind of outgrows the entrepreneur or, you know, and things kind of get, start to get mismanaged or things just get a little bit too big and uh, get a little bit too crazy. And, um, you know, sometimes the, uh, giant comes crashing down and it falls and falls yeah. hard. So. <laughs> and the type of the structure of the pro program to kind of go off what you just said, um, it really helps clients really. I was just talking to a client yesterday and he, I funded him a few times. Um, and he was talking about how he loves this program because how you know because it makes him focus on his cash flow. Uh, whereas before he really wasn't focused on it, but with the daily payment program, he actually has to manage his cash flow on a day-to-day -day basis, and he loves it because he has so much more control over his business and so much more control over his finances because he has to focus on it because of this program. And he loves the program just for that main fact of it makes him stay focused on his cash flow. Yeah. It holds him accountable. I actually yeah. have never really thought about that, but someone I could see how that would be very beneficial on my end. Um, someone who's not 
a big fan of like I love making money, but I'm not a big <laughs> fan of like uh, and I like to spend it. So I'm not a big fan of like trying to account for it, you yeah, know, yeah. I, and someone who so I could see how that would be extremely beneficial um, from one knowing, Hey, I got money coming out every single day. That's going to hold me accountable to making sure I'm producing revenue every single day to account, you know, to take care of all of my payments and everything that yeah. I need to do. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of like forcing you to take that kind of, uh, deep dive and you hear and see so many people talk about, you know, their daily routines and, you know, the first three things that they do is, you know, pulling up their bank account. And I just, um, I don't know. I just have never kind of been able to be that kind of guy that's been able to look at my bank account every single day. But I would like to be the guy that's that detail oriented. You know what I mean? That's and so I could see how that would force you to be very accountable uh, to your bank account and not kind of like gluttonous, so to speak. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's great, man. Well, thank you. This has been awesome. The last question that I have, um, so we're not taking up too much of your time, is like, what advice would you give to someone who's just becoming a business loan broker? So you've got a great journey. Um, you're what, 26 now? 27? Yeah, correct. 26, 26 years old. So, you know, still very young in the industry. I started in the industry when I was 25. So, you know, you're leaps and bounds ahead of so many people ahead of you, your advice. And, um, and I appreciate the, your contribution to the conference because, you know, your speech was so motivating and inspiring. What advice would you give to new brokers coming into the space? Just giving your, you know, expertise. Don't think. Don't think at all. Just do it. Figure it out later. So what I mean by that is don't think about how you're going to get the clients. Don't think about, you know, how you're, you know, going to build a huge company. Just do it. Just figure out how, you know, just make calls. Just get on the phones or if emails your thing, just send out emails and just do it until you start to see some revenue. Right. What I see is a lot of people come into this industry and they'll try to think like we said earlier in this podcast, they'll try to do the website. They'll try to make business cards. They'll, so on and so forth and they think too much right you know you, you gotta kind of get your street smart on and turn your book smart off because the thing is, is i what i've seen is everybody on my sales floor they have street smart instead of book smart and i think that's the number one thing that kind of makes it so you can think outside of the box so mm. my my advice is, is don't think too much just do it figure out what works and if it doesn't try something else just go for it try to find the clients as fast as possible and how can you get income into your brokerage as fast as possible mm. I, I mean I if like i was that. just getting into it i'd be charging application fees right now i'd be trying uh, you know I, whatever you can do to bring in cash flow that obviously an ethically and morally correct way, do it. I think that's great advice. And there's a, a quote that I love, uh, like a little movie clip uh, or speech that I love. I play it sometimes in the Academy by Art Williams, who essentially founded Primerica. And he says that, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but he says, you know, he, he, his experience is that people who are smart 
or, you know, not to say like school educated, but just kind of like more book smart um, or have, have a tendency to overthink. So, and the people who overthink never really get around to doing anything. And the people who don't necessarily think or run towards fear are the ones who ultimately kind of like prevail because they're the ones who actually start to um, move. And when you have activity, you know, you produce results. So when you think you get like caught up in this, what should I do? Questioning everything. And next thing you know, you know, three, six months go down the line. And, you know, then maybe you might be a little bit at that point kind of like, oh, this industry doesn't work. And the reality is yeah. it's like, you don't work. So. And when, and when you're saying that's perfect, you know, um, that's exactly it. Because really, uh, and I forget where I heard this from, is you have five seconds to make a decision. Anything after five seconds, you're just wasting your time. Right. And, you know. After that five seconds, you already know what you're going to do. So after that five seconds, like literally I tell people to do this because I, I heard it somewhere and then it just completely made sense. After five seconds, if you're thinking about something and you don't know what to do, flip a coin. When the coin's halfway, you know, and say, A, I'm going to, you know, heads, I'm going to do this. B, I'm going to do this. And when you flip the coin halfway through that coin flip, you're already going to know what you want to do to do it. All right, you guys. That is today's podcast. What an amazing podcast. What an amazing, inspirational entrepreneur Josh is. Josh, again, thank you so much for carving out the last 40 minutes and sharing with us your story as you kind of uh, have evolved through this business loan uh, industry and became such an amazing powerhouse um, and such a big super brokerage. So congratulations to you and to Will. Um, and I know that came with nothing but just hard work, sweat, and tears, which which leaves us very motivated um, and very inspired. So again, thank you very much for sharing your story. You guys, if you found this podcast valuable, please like it, please share it, and please leave us a review. And with that being said, we'll see you guys on the next Business Loan Broker Academy podcast. Thanks and take care. <laughs>